Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, it's Guy Drinker. It's game week 24, and you know what that means, it's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable I was super excited for this week because I had a new January signing that was going to be on the podcast, but unfortunately, she's not feeling too well at the moment, so we we wish her well and, and a speedy recovery. But all that means is that we have executive producer stepping from behind the glass, as he usually is on these podcasts, to in front of the mic, Mr. Guy Drinkle. Guy, welcome back onto the show. and. Um, um, I sense a conspiracy here because you always try and finagle your way into Banker or Burnage each season. And I think I think this is your doing. My Conor McGregor on the ultimate fighter right now. Let's go. <laughs> I'm back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, I know you you will be stepping in for Banker or Burnage as well this week. And, and I guess you're eligible for, for the prize. Um, is, is this the year you finally... Finally, do it. I am the people's champ. I win it every year, steady. It's fine. <laughs> we'll see about that. Well, we'll re- reveal um, Riley's score later on in the podcast when when we get into the Banquet or Burnett segment. But we know Jake's had set the the standard, so to speak, at fourteen out of twenty five with with his first go around. Uh, a couple of weeks back, um, as I said, we'll, we'll see how Riley did, whether he topped that, whether he got less than that. It was Riley's first ever Banker or Burnett as well. Um, so a bit of nerves there, a bit of confidence as well. He he was asking me to to ship the title already to him. So we'll see how that goes. But speaking of shipping titles early, we have Aston Villa versus Arsenal. Now, at time of recording here, Guy, we haven't seen Man City versus Arsenal so obviously that might have a huge implication on where these teams sit in terms of Arsenal and Man City, where they sit in the league table. But in mm-hmm. terms of this fixture, Aston Villa versus Arsenal, it, it would be business as usual in the sense for Arsenal in that these are all must-win games, especially if you're competing for a league title with with a team like Man City, 
irrespective of your previous result, you have to go and win the next one. Yes, and as uh, as Liverpool fans, I know you try and play the horse, but as Liverpool <laughs> fans, we are scarred by um, games such as these. If you you think you've got a gap, then there's no gap, and then there's some horrid little team in the shape of an Aston Villa. It was always Brighton or Brentford for us, or sometimes Leicester. Um, but one of these te- upper upper mid table teams, and you just you just drop a point, and then. It's Man City. I, I don't think this is the best Man City. I don't particularly think this is a good version of the Man City team, but it's still Man City. The DNA is still in there. They, they are ruthless, so a draw is not good enough. Um, albeit a draw against Brentford last weekend wasn't the worst for Arsenal, but teams like Villa, as I say, not much to play for for them in terms of fighting off relegation or fighting for Europe. They're just trying to finish between 10th and 13th, basically, maybe push up to 9th or something like that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Arsenal have to win this game regardless of the midweek result. Um, because if if they beat Man City, it might even be more important because you've got to keep building up. You can't beat Man City then slip up again. Um, and obviously they've not been in the best of form recently with a, a loss and then a draw, obviously, and then whatever the Man City result is. So they have to they have to start picking up um, wins again. Um, and as a neutral fan. I, I do want Arsenal to win the league, so I'm I'm going to back them to win because Villa Villa obviously improved massively since Unai Emery took over, but the defensive issues are still there. I don't particularly like any of the fullbacks. I like the goalkeeper. Uh, midfield's good, I think. Um, the attacks are very inconsistent, but I think that that's a club that'll have to wait for the summer to make the next jump. Whereas Arsenal. They, they've taken their jump, um, and I'm going to back Arsenal. I think it'll be a, a scrappy game, um, but I will go two-one Arsenal. Two-one to Arsenal for Guy. He kicks us off there. Now um, <laughs> I see on the run sheet here it still has Kelly as um, a name, but I'm, I'm noting your score here. I'm, I'm not going to change it to Guy. You're just going to be Kelly for this episode. But um, if, you, if you call me Kelly, I'm <laughs> I am ringing here, chair. I'm just saying. <laughs> Fine guy, fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, for Villa, I, I was surprised in the transfer window that they didn't address their centre-back situation. Um, instead, they go and get a left-back when they've already got Dinya. I, I just thought that was a bit weird. Yeah. As you say, a game like this could be a potential banana skin. And they're at different stages in terms of, you know, Arsenal challenging for the title. But we saw recently with Spurs and we'll get to Spurs in, in a bit where they beat Man City and then they go and lose their next game and it's like what was the point then mm-hmm. you still end up with three out of six points which is likely what you you might have predicted you were going to get out of the two fixtures so if you go and beat Man City and then lose to Aston Villa it it to me it doesn't really progress Arsenal in 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 the sense that they they would need to to pull away from a Man City. We know what Man City are capable. We've seen it in the past. Albeit it's not the same Man City. As you said, there still is that DNA within them um, where they make it very, very difficult to take the title off their hands. For me, I, I do think um, that Arsenal see off Aston Villa. I, I do, I'm, I'm worried about Aston Villa defensively in this game. I think Maybe there would be, you know, some success on the on, in transition on the counter attack. But Arsenal have been relatively okay 
um, defending on the counter attack. I guess it's 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 whether or not which version of Bailey pitches up for this game yes. um, is, is the best chances for Aston Villa. But I I don't see them causing Arsenal too many problems. I'm gonna go with a two 0 Arsenal win, and whether or not that. Um, furthers the gap for them will be interesting to see and obviously the Wednesday game you guys might have been getting ready for that game by the time this podcast was released or might have just um, you know been off the back of watching that game and, and get to see the league table from that side but let's move on to the team that Arsenal did play last weekend in Brentford um, Brentford, obviously, that 1-1 draw against Arsenal. I, I thought they looked good in that game, Guy, and could have probably gotten a lot more. I know their goal was controversial, and, you know, that was the theme of last weekend was controversial VAR calls, or should I say VAR official calls. I, I hate, um, it's probably one of my pet peeves, that people always blame VAR opposed to the blame is VAR officials. There's not really too much wrong with VAR, maybe a few tweaks here and there, it works in any other sport. Football is not special in that sense that, oh, no, video assistance doesn't work for us because we're different. Every sport that has it, it works because they implement it correctly. It's the officials and the way they implement it and interpret it. That's the issue um, here. And, tell, and the lack telling of me using Lee Mason is an issue, is it? <laughs> just, just mic the referees. Mic yeah. the referees and the VAR and then... They probably don't want to do that because it will expose how how poorly they make their decisions. But every other sport, we can hear the decision-making process going on. We know exactly why a decision has been given. It's It just makes no sense to me. But anyway, they play Crystal Palace. Um, Palace have a plethora of tough fixtures at the moment. And this doesn't get any easier against the team that we've dubbed the gatekeepers in Brentford of the Premier League. Now, I'm going to go out straight with my scoreline. I've, I've got a 3-1 Brentford win. I think Brentford get back to winning ways and continue their charge for European football this season. Yeah, and you look at the defensive injuries at Palace as well with um, Christopher Richards, uh, Joachim Anderson, um, injured. I don't know why I said Christopher rather than Chris. I don't think I've ever heard anyone call him Christopher. Um, <laughs> but Chris Richards and Anderson injured. Um, that probably mean James Tompkins again, but he's um, injury prone as well so they might have to <clears throat> rotate him as well um, right back issues as well is Aha still out so Palace just aren't at their best whereas you look at Brentford Janssen's the only one who's a possible starter but why Why would you mess about with, with the Brentford team when it's working so well um, so yeah it's not really Brentford can just keep rolling on. I mean, one one game a week at the minute. Um, and Ivan Tony is third best striker in the league at the minute. Kane and Ar- Harland. I'd probably say so. Um, it's, I think it's tough for Palace at the moment with those injuries, but they're doing fine, whereas Brentford are the form team of the Premier League, really. Um, I'm not sure I'm on the Premier League website so it's only the last five I'm sure their undefeated streak is longer than five I think is it ten now I think actually um, if I remember back to his um, post-match interview but three wins and two draws in the last five good teams in there as well Um, yeah, yeah logic just backs Brentford to win this obviously games can turn a form like this can turn off 
um, like a tap at times, but Brentford are so good at the minute. Defensively solid, the midfield's working really well, and the attack, I think, finally clicking with Tony and Mbwemo, and then sometimes it's Wissa, sometimes it's not, but it, they have really good options, so yeah, I'd back Brentford as well. Um, Score-wise, let's go 2-0 Brentford. Yeah, that, that's a comfortable victory for them. And as you said, there's not too much to change for them at the moment. Um, one of those teams that is in those higher positions, but is only playing one game a week for the rest of the season, pretty much. Um, I think it favors them. Palace, yeah. Uh, it, 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 they could be a team that look comfortable at the moment, but could easily get dragged into that bottom, bottom, uh, relegation zone very, very quickly. I think for them during, now until March is just trying to to hope that the, the the teams at the bottom continue to struggle so that it gives them enough breathing room for when their fixtures do yeah. get a little bit better. Because if you get dragged into that zone during this tough fixture period, even as the fixtures get better, momentum might be an issue. Um, chemistry might be an issue. Morale might be an issue for the players. And you just don't want to get into that situation if you're Crystal Palace. Two teams, well, one specifically that many thought was going to be in that relegation zone in Fulham, they traveled to Brighton um, against a, a, a team that looks really good this season. Now, I know you, you have a very, you're very affectionate towards Brighton. They're not your favorite team, but you, you do like them. You've liked their style of play. You've liked the way they've approached, you know, recruitment and, and building the club up through the leagues. Um, and now in the Premier League and looking to to fight for Europe. This is a battle for, for Europe at the moment, if you're looking at the, the teams and their league positions. How do you see Brighton handling Fulham, another team in Brighton that was involved in a controversial VAR official call? Um, I mean, Matoma, guy, talk to me about him and, and this Brighton team. And then obviously from Fulham's perspective, um, a couple of games where they struggled to score goals, but then the the ghost of Willian has decided to actually become peak Willian recently. What's going on there? Uh, current Ballon d'Or favourite, Cairo Mo. I'm getting, I think that's how you pronounce his first name. Matoma. Um, he is the best player in the world. I will hear no arguments. Um, yeah, Brighton are just really good. Um, they were kind of robbed at the weekend uh, against Palace. Um Stupanan's goal was just not offside again. Um, Lee Murphy Much was to un- the chagrin of my fantasy team, by the way. Oh, I'll give up on that. I put I put Liverpool players back in, and I just couldn't be asked. <laughs> um, uh, cheers, Liverpool! You ruined something else for me this season. Um, uh, yeah, Brighton were kind of robbed. Um, Lee Mason was on one of these games. He was awful in whichever he did, and whoever was on the other one was awful as well. I just don't understand how you screw up an offside call when it's that clear. Um, but no, this should be a fun game. And as you say, both these teams in in um, Europa sp- uh, spots at the minute, um, I believe seventh will get the Conference League because Newcastle and Manchester United will both get um, uh, higher up spots seemingly, unless either go on a dreadful run. Um, but Brighton are so good at the minute. As you said, Fulham, they had tough games, to be fair, but as you say, they had a bit of a dry spell. Really good against Forrest, who were who, who were playing well. Um, but Brighton just 
just keep chugging along. I mean, even even the games that dropped points in Palace, they were robbed by the stupid officials. Um, and Leicester 2-2, <clears throat> I can't remember that game. <laughs> but um, it's not it's not the worst result in the world. But they're just they're just really good. Um, and maybe the question is who they're missing. Maud has been out all season. Colwell's a big miss at the minute because uh, he, he settled in really well. Welbeck is their only striker. Um, actually, no, that Evan Ferguson came through, didn't he? Um, Lalana is gone back to peak Lalana under the Zerbi, which is terrifying. Um, and Fulham, ooh, Mitrovic is seventy-five percent. Um, so that's a big. Uh, oh, and Williams injured. I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm going confident with the Brighton win with this injury <laughs> news. I, I think at home. I think Brighton just. It's a tough one because if Palinia takes over a game, it it can just shift that way. But at the same time, will he take over a game when he's up against someone like Moises Casado and um, and McAllister? It's 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 a very tough task. But I mean, this is probably the this is if you're in the midfielder market, hello Liverpool. This is probably the game to watch because um, Paulinho, albeit I think he's twenty seven, twenty eight. He could. He has another big move in him. Kai Sado has him. <laughs> he has a big move all over him. And come to Liverpool, please. Um, and McAllister obviously does as well. Um, I'm going to back Brighton. How so, confidently? Yes, that's a question. <laughs> One nil. Oh. If anything, if it does end one nil, it's going to be an exciting one nil game. I think. Yes. Um, yes. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to this game. I mean, obviously there there's you know ten fixtures in in during this weekend. There's a London derby thrown in there. There's obviously the Newcastle Liverpool game in there that I'm looking at. But this could low key be a really really fun game, especially when you look at the 700 fixtures that are on at three o'clock um, UK time on. On Saturday, you got what? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six fixtures that are on at three o'clock, guy. And I, I don't know how people are watching it. Do, do do you have any issues with with watching these three o'clock games? No, I have a, I have an ad placement coming soon. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's uh, right, guy. <laughs> you don't have an issue because you are one of the smart people that have linked up with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. And as I said, this podcast is in association with Liberty Shield and EPLindex.com. You guys can check out Liberty Shield services at LibertyShield.com. You can save with the coupon code EPL25. That gets you 25% off of your router or your software VPN. Do you have both the router and the software VPN or just the one? I actually do have both. I do have both. That's so what you use, get when you're executive, exactly. when you're executive producer, you get those privileges having both. Um, but guys, if you, if you want the software VPN, it downloads straight onto your devices. If you want the router, obviously you order that. It will be shipped to you. Um, it's a virtual private network that is a technology which encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity. It hides your IP address and shields your online data from third parties. You can change your location, which is very useful for the likes of Netflix that are sort of geo-sensitive. Um, if you want to open up a bouquet of, of Netflix USA and you live elsewhere, you can do that. Um, you can avoid geo-blocks. 
for example, with uh, BBC iPlayer and stuff like that, where it's linked, it, you know, it's it's locked to um this area. You you can watch it if you're an, uh, a UK expat or British expat. Um, there are government-imposed restrictions that can be got around, which um, allows you to access any website. Finally, guys, go and check out EPL Index Shop. You, you can find it on Etsy, and if you use the coupon code EPL10, you can get 10% off at checkout. Now, as I was saying, one of the games um, that I'm looking forward to, I, I think it could be exciting. I've gone 2-1 to Brighton. Um, I'm, I'm sweating at, the, you know, at that Willian injury news because, as I said, he's looked phenomenal since he's um, gone to Fulham. He's, which must be quite irritating for Arsenal fans, I would imagine, because he didn't he didn't do too well when he went there, and I think he could be a useful player squad depth player for Arsenal at the moment but anyway um that's not an issue that they can worry on at, at the moment let's move on to our next fixture guy it is Chelsea versus Southampton now it continues with the VAR official issues and the implementation of VAR by these Premier League referees I keep saying it there should be an independent body and they should be mic'd up it's that simple it's that simple to fix this. Um, but yeah, anyway, Chelsea versus Southampton in what I'm dubbing the VAR officials derby because Southampton were involved in a, in a VAR issue as well, where it favored them, but the scoreline still didn't favor them. I mean, Wolves went down to 10 men quite early into that game and Southampton still managed to lose that game. Nathan Jones subsequently fired. Um, I don't know how to predict this game because I'm not sure how Southampton react whether in terms of you know caretaker or hiring a manager as well as how players react um you know they're going to be playing for starting positions you'll imagine and then from Chelsea's perspective it's a team that's still trying to bed in um they look 750 million players <laughs> look they looked lively at the beginning of that game against West Ham and it almost looked like they were just going to run away from with the game and then it kind of just um, tailed off a bit there for them. But did you find similar difficulties in trying to see how this game could go? Because we just don't know what Southampton are going to look like coming into this one. Or Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> fair, uh, fair. Um, it's a weird one. Chelsea have a million players, but they also have 500,000 injuries, which probably doesn't help. Well, it might help because it might slim down the <laughs> options you can pick. But the midfield's probably the issue at the minute because um, Zakari and Kovacic are injured, who probably start... Maybe not with um, Enzo joining, but they were starters before all this kicked off. Um, and another five on people, but I'm not listening because you probably know them. Um, it's a tough one, yeah, because Southampton might have a new manager. I think Jesse Marsh is still the favourite, or he certainly was when I was recording yesterday's two-footed. Um, meh. Even if it is Jesse Marsh, who cares? Um, if it's the assistant bloke. Eh. But Chelsea's one of them games, it's almost a free hit because it's Chelsea. But at the same time, it's an opportunity because it's 2023 Chelsea, who aren't very good. <laughs> um, but in terms of Chelsea playing against West Ham, yeah, that first half an hour or first half was, was better. Um, but it, wasn't it wasn't exactly electrifyingly 
terrifying up front. I think it was just maybe moments of quality from Joe Felix, maybe more, more so than a massive improvement. I think Joe Felix being back will obviously help as long as he doesn't get sent off again. Um, but Kai Havertz is still an issue. He's, he's not a number nine. Um, or he's not a number nine in terms of the players around Chelsea because people compare him to Firmino. It helps having Mane and Salah next to people rather than Mudrik and Mudeki and Joe Felix, obviously. So, yeah, if, if Havertz is the nine, they've bought the wrong wingers. Um, but it, it's a tough one. Um, I think the safe bet is Chelsea, but that is never a safe bet because Chelsea, just, well, three draws in a row. Is the draw the safe bet? Hmm. I mean, they've, they've 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 had quite a few draws recently. Yes. Screw it. One all. One all. Wow. I, I mean, Southampton would be absolutely chuffed with that if if that is the case. I'm not so confident in Southampton being able to do that in this one. I look. Chelsea have young, exciting relatively pacey direct players at times um you've got Enzo Fernandez now just pulling strings in midfield Jao Felix looks so comfortable in that team but yeah it's it's awkward cuz with him playing that well you you have Havertz who you can't really drop um just by nature of the state status that he has at the club now um I still think I still think uh, Chelsea have enough in this game to see off Southampton. Maybe the fact that Jones isn't there will favor Southampton and they have a reaction. But based on the performance I saw uh, on the weekend, I'm, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with a one nil Chelsea win. I'm not overly confident, but I do think Chelsea have enough to see that one off. Let's move on to the last game that will be relevant for your bank it or burn it effort. It's Everton versus Leeds. Now, Everton going into the Merseyside derby last night which should have been going into that game with confidence after the performance they had against Arsenal. But it was interesting to hear that um, Cody was mentioning, Connor Cody was mentioning in his post-match interview that the players seemed a little bit nervous or, or went into the game a little bit nervous against Liverpool on Monday night. This is a game against Leeds who are also struggling this season and one of the teams that Everton need to look at and say this is a team we can easily claw back and jump ahead of more so if they win this game they do that 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 exact same thing but what shape do Everton come into this one you know and on the other side I'm more confident in Leeds going into this game because with Jesse Marsh without Jesse Marsh I think they've been playing decent football they just haven't had a goal threat which has been an issue for them, but I like their style of play and it, it's still lively. You still have Noto just putting people in knots, excuse the pun, um, you know, on that side. Oh, and I'm, no. I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking at him. I'm looking at Seamus Coleman and I'm thinking Seamus Coleman just had to run with Darwin Nunes for 90 minutes or the 70 odd minutes that Darwin mm-hmm. Nunes was on there, and then he's got to face Noto as well. That that's a tall order for him. I, I think all the trouble starts on that Everton right hand side, the Leeds left hand side, and Leeds pull off a I'm gonna say a one nil Leeds win. I like it. 
I like it. Maybe drop Seamus Coleman because it is a relatively short turnaround. Obviously, Monday to Saturday, you can't really have days. You maybe have one rest day. Uh, but Sean Dyche will obviously schedule four bleep tests this week <laughs> <laughs> after the showing last night. Um, but uh, Leeds are playing the much better football, even with Jesse Marsh. It, it kind of got a bit toxic, but the football was nice, as you say. They just didn't really have a goal for it. Bamford's came back and he's not really clicked yet. I think the link-up players improved with Bamford, but the, the scoring is not there. But getting players back like Somerville, um, who before his injury was like on fire, um, they have eight injuries, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus. Um, that's a good few players, to be fair. Uh, but no, I think I think even with, with the injuries there, how many injuries have Everton got? Four. And two of them are stars. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one to predict because, as, as we say, Leeds are playing the better football, but Everton have a new manager, and it's uh, is it at Goodison? It is at Goodison. Sorry, I am clicking between tabs. Um, we know Goodison kind of saved Everton last season because they got behind the team, they got behind Frank Lampard for whatever reason. Um, but now. There's a lot more leeway. They've got a better manager. We saw it in the Arsenal game. If they get everyone back, and that very much includes Calvert-Lewin because that Ellis Sims lad, albeit it was against Liverpool, still was Liverpool's third and fourth choice centre-backs. He kind of got monstered. Um, so maybe if Calvert-Lewin's not fit, they have to go with Neil Morpé, which is a very, very different type of striker, but at least he's played in the Premier League, um, etc. Or maybe play both of them, because maybe this is the first game they feel they can go back to a fourth, or, or go to the classic Sean Dyche 4-4-2, rather than just packing the midfield. So it might be a slight, a slight switch um, from what we've seen for Everton, and then we finally see a bit more classic Sean Dyche-iness. Um, I feel... It, Again, this is strange because Leeds might be in a completely different situation as well because they might have a new manager. I think it's the old Ajax manager who got never hire a sacked Ajax manager. It's never going to go well. That's a bad sign. Yeah, a, I'm worried about Leeds with that decision, man. Yeah, if they if they hire him, I'm, I'm not going to say I, like I, I don't even want Bruges in the bloody Champions League. <laughs> so I would I know what type of manager he is, but getting sacked by Ajax. We saw what the most successful Ajax manager did, did, did in this league and uh, De Paul, and he was dreadful. Never mind what he got sacked. Obviously, Ten Hags came in and done quite uh, done very well, to be fair to him. But, no, I'm going to back Everton. Sean Dyche, he can finally go 4-4-2. I think that'll help. Um do I cop out and go? No, no, I'm not copping out and going for a draw. <laughs> I'm not in that mood. Be a man I, of your convictions, yes. guy. Two one Everton. Oh, two one Everton. And as you say, if if that's the case, then that home form needs to be on point because they've looked shocking away from home uh, this season, guy. Speaking of shocking, you've had some shocking Bankett or Burnett performances over the years, and Oof. I made I made an application to the suits upstairs for you to be banned from this competition because you just should be. And somehow you finagled your way back in again. I um, am the suits upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, is this your, is this your year? They're it's all my com- year to do. 
there's a bit of pattern in my banking or burn. Every time it's the last game that lets me down. So I'm just letting the other people win. That's what's been happening. I see. I see. And speaking of, you know, last games or latter games getting, you know, your scores down. Riley, on his debut last week, started with back-to-back four out of fives in the first two fixtures. And he had people worried. He had the, the, the bankrupt and Italia's worried that this guy was just going to blow the game out of the water in his first ever, um, appearance on the, on, on, on Bank It or Burn It. But it tailed off towards the middle and the end. He ends up on 13 out of 25. So you can, you can do the maths there on, on how much the back end of the fixture list kind of ruined it for him. As I said, Jake set the pace at 14 out of 25. So he still has the lead. I know it's early in the season for Bankit or Burnett guy. Are you confident you can at least become a leader for a, a period of time for Bankit or Burnett? Because you've not even held that in-season title of having the lead going into, you know, the next fixture of Bankit or Burnett. I'm hitting 22. Thank you, Rafael. I thought you would go for 15, 22. My no, word. I'm hitting 22. Fair enough. All right, guy. Let's see how you get on here. Let's see how you manage to get this so-called 22 out of 25. Um, Guys, so Bank It or Burn It, I'm going to put 15 seconds on the clock here. Guy is going to try and answer five questions um, in each of the five rounds before the 15 seconds runs out. I'll read each each question out. Guy's going to shout bank it if he thinks the scenario will happen and he's going to shout burn it if he thinks the scenario won't happen the fixtures are the five that we've just spoken about and previewed it's aston villa versus arsenal brentford versus crystal palace brighton versus fulham chelsea versus southampton and everton versus leeds questions are possession over 55 percent to the home team B is over eight shots on target. C is over 20 tackles. D is a set piece goal. And E is knee slide goal celebration. Now, this first round, as people, you know, as our long-time listeners will note, this first go-around of Banker or Burnett is going to have the same questions for the panelists, for them to, you know, shake off the cobwebs and, and, and get used to it. And then we'll tweak the questions going forward. But, Guy, have you got your head around the questions and ready to go? Confident. Confident. Confident to a fault, I would say. But anyway, okay. let, let's see how you get on here. I'm doing this in under protest, by the way. But your time for Aston Villa versus Arsenal starts now. Possession over 55% to the home team. Burn it. Over eight shots on target. Bank it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Set piece goal. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. Oh, oh, oh. I think you've made a mistake already. Wait, what? That knee slide, mate. That knee slide. I said 3-1. That's too comfortable for a knee slide celebration. 3-1. You're going to get four goals, and you think none of them are going to have a knee slide. It's not. It's Aston Villa. This this is why. This is why, guy. This is why you shouldn't be on the show. Anyway. Or you can be on the show, but bank it or burn it. I, no, 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 I, I no. Don't Try it. Stand a chance, mate. You, right. find, you find another late substitute to me. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I do appreciate you coming on late um, notice. All right, Brentford versus Crystal Palace. Your time starts 
Now, possession of 55% of the home team. Burn it. Over eight shots on target. Burn it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Set-piece goal. Burn it. Knee-slide goal celebration. Burn it. Burn it to end it off. You don't... Uh, I, I sense a theme here. Okay. Okay. Let's see if my theory is right. Let's move on to your next game. It's Brighton versus Fulham. Your low-key favourite team. I'm convinced it's your favourite team now. All right. Your time starts now. Possession of fifty-five percent of the home Bank team. Bankish. Over eight shots on target. Bankish. Over twenty tackles. Bankish. Set piece goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Go on then, bank it. Oh that's where you I do that just to piss me off. Yes. I thought you were going to burn See, I got fr- I got free to pl- I got free to play with to do. I've got free to lose. So. <laughs> okay. All these I have see. been right so far. I so. see what you're doing. Okay, fair enough. Chelsea versus Southampton. Um, a game that you've predicted 1-1 as well. So we'll see how that goes. Your time starts now. Possession of 55% Bank of the home team. Over eight shots on target. Burn it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Set piece goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. I was worried about the clock there for a second, guy, but you were fine. Never in, never in doubt with the <laughs> clock. I've done this stuff too many times. Ah, oh, fair enough, fair enough. All right, let's end it off with Everton versus Leeds before we go to the next batch of fixtures that we have here. Your time starts now. Possession over 55% to the home team. Over eight shots on target. Burn it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. A set-piece goal? Bank it. And a knee-slide goal celebration? Bank that. Straight ah. to the bank. you got to love a set-piece goal for an Everton game. Um, I mean, Liverpool played their tallest side ever that Klopp has ever put out there against Everton. I don't think that was a coincidence. But let's move on to our next fixture. It's Nottingham Forest entertaining Man City. Similar to the Arsenal predictions that we made before and the preview we made before, we won't have seen Arsenal versus Man City, but you would imagine Man City need it's similar to Arsenal and must win games. Man City just need to win this game against a team that has a, a team that has been sprightly of late in Nottingham Forest. They they seem to have bedded in the 633, if I'm not mistaken, signings that they've made this season. Um, but oh, you got to imagine this is a very, very difficult game for them against Man City. And I'm looking at their injury list guy. There's, this is not looking good. Yeah, I think if everyone was fit, or at least a handful of these players <laughs> were fit, <laughs> it, it would it would help massively. But both first choice centre backs are injured. Um, they signed Felipe from uh, from Aston Villa from Atletico Madrid, who. I feel like is pure Erling Haaland fodder. Um, I know, ha- I think Haaland came off injured, didn't he? But I, I, Man City sent a picture. I was seemingly he was fine, unless he gets injured in the Arsenal game, obviously. Maybe the rest of him in this game, because two games of the week. But yeah, the, just the replacement centre back. I'm not even sure who the other centre back is. <laughs> That's where I am. We're not in the first. I don't know half their team anymore. <laughs> That's um, fair. Um, but yeah, I think it wouldn't surprise me if Forrest take points 
off them because Forest are that type of team. I think they've mainly done it against. I think they took beat Liverpool. I think they beat Chelsea. Obviously, nowhere close to Man City. Them two teams at the minute, but Forest do have a big performance in them. Obviously, adding in like Kalo Navas and stuff like that. Um, maybe he is just the embodiment of a Champions League curse that might throw off Man City. <laughs> um, but no, I think the the clever safe money is on Man City because the weakness at centre back and and the other in other seven hundred injuries as well um, just won't help Forest as well uh, in terms of being a settled team as well. They seem to have finally found that, and then the injuries have happened. I will go Man City three three nil. Yeah. 3-0 to Man City. Yeah. Um yeah, it will be a tough game for Nottingham Forest. I've gone I've got 2-0 to Man City. I think Champions League is also a factor now, so they might kick in third that. or fourth gear at some point in time, you know, coast their way to the victory. Get get the early goals and try and coast their way to the victory and and manage the legs a bit there. Um I I I'm skeptical about well, let me put it this way. Conspiracy theory that I'm throwing in there. I, I believe Haaland is fine. I think they were 3-0 up at halftime against Aston Villa and Pep wanted to throw a span in the works for Arsenal by subbing off Haaland and saying he's injured. It meant Arsenal now have to prepare for a City team with Haaland and a City team without Haaland. So it's just going to split their time even more in terms of their preparations for that game. I think it's mind games personally. With regards to Pep, if he is really injured, obviously I, I wish him a speedy recovery and, and hope nothing serious has happened there. But it, it smells of a Pep kind of mind games, overthinking things type of situation. Uber bold. Um, yeah. Um, let's move on to Wolves versus Bournemouth. Now Wolves went down to 10 men against Southampton, but you know, 10, you know, that was no problem for Wolves. Um, they'll be hoping to continue to create further distance between them and the league strugglers when they face a Bournemouth side who I think have showed fight recently. They, they certainly did against Newcastle and to the surprise of many scored a goal against, um, the best defense in the league. How do you see Wolves handling this one? They seem a completely different side to what we saw in them earlier in the season. They, they look like they know what they're doing under Lopetegui. They look I, I don't consider them in trouble relegation-wise, really. Maybe it's it's projecting too far forward, but they just seem very comfortable and capable um, of, of seeing the season out and sort of refreshing things in the summer and, and, and properly giving it a go to, to finish a bit higher. But on the other side, Bournemouth, as I mentioned, looked impressive against Newcastle, showed a bit of fight. Mm. I think they, they've got some excitement in, in their attacking play now um maybe i'm still a little bit worried about them defensively but they they could cause problems here for wolves no i think the, i think the thing is they're now fun um yeah. i didn't really see that in in the first half of the season obviously they had some mad games and they had one against leeds where they were like oh was it forest it was one of them um where they had i think it was like four three or something like that if i remember correctly um but now with um Oatara, I'll go with Oatara. Yeah. Um, and Triore, who I don't like because he betrayed me on FM because he's a prick. Um, he, ne- he never, never leaves you to do. Never leaves you. <laughs> That's why I need Wigan to be relegated. Sacking me. Fair. Can't, can't be having that. And Colo Touré in real life. But that was probably more justified than my sacking. <laughs> um, but anywho, uh, yeah, I, 
it's a weird one. I think Bournemouth are now fun, but it's it's a weird one because I think if they get everyone back, I think Sanisi's slightly injured. Obviously, Lloyd Kelly's been out a little while now as well. Um, so if they get everyone back in defence um, and they bought that new lad who everyone seems to like, I think it's from Ukraine or Russia, I can't remember. Um, he seems to be highly thought of. I've never, I've never even heard of him. Um, they could get out of this, but it, it's strange because I, I, I agree with you. I, even when Bruno Large was there, I think they were still going to get out of it. I think Lopetegui coming in just adds on an extra good few percent of of safety. And obviously they had a big January as well, adding actual strikers and maybe adding a bit more experience with people like Sarabia and uh, and stuff like that. And Lamina, who obviously got sent off, but he monstered Liverpool the week before. Um, so yeah, I think Wolves were, fu- were going to be fine either way. They just needed a bit more tinkering in January, but Lopetegui uh, came in and done very well and added a bit more... Um, excitement a bit more maybe passion I think that was probably the main thing with with, uh, with Bruno Large it's, it was just maybe got a bit too still uh, whereas Lopetegui well, he just seems like an angry man on the sidelines which I think people like um, certainly in the heart on your sleeve camp of yes absolutely the Antonio Conte man- mental camp um, yeah I think it kind of screams a draw to me for this, and I don't. I think Wolves, that's fine. Whereas Bournemouth, I think it might be slightly disappointing. But if you just keep ticking along points, and obviously Everton and Leeds playing each other, if Leeds win that, you go above Everton at least. And uh, I do West Ham playing. I think West Ham. West Ham have a tough. Well, maybe a yeah, tough but, game. Yeah, so, <laughs> we don't know which one of them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think that'd be a good result for both. To be fair, but maybe slightly disappointing for Bournemouth. But if if they can start winning their home games, but yeah, I think I'm gonna go one all. Maybe my first fence sitting or proper fence sitting. But yeah, it, it doesn't scream excitement. But I think both teams have got a bit funner after January. But maybe both would be okay with a draw. Yeah, fair, and and it's a one-one draw. Yep. Yes, I, I, couldn't, un- I couldn't unmute. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Um, for, yeah, for me, I, I think Wolves' quality will be enough in this game. I can I can see Bournemouth troubling them, but I think Wolves will, will get a 2-1 win in this one. I, I would imagine they'll be able to wrestle the midfield away from Bournemouth, which will limit their chances in that one. Let's move on to Newcastle versus Liverpool. Probably, objectively speaking, I, I know maybe subjectively as well, but objectively speaking, probably the game of the weekend. I know, for example, the London Derby will have um, arguments for that one. Personally, I would argue Brighton Fulham could be a bit, could be quite interesting. But the reason this game probably has become more spicy is because Liverpool played like a football team on Monday night and and showed flashes of the old Liverpool. And on the other hand, Newcastle have got one win in their last five games, largely, you'd imagine, due to Bruno Gimaraes not being in the team. And again, he's not going to be able to play this game. Does that sway it for you or are you still cautious with Liverpool? I mean, we saw Liverpool have this type of performance against Man City earlier in the season and 
do absolutely nothing with it going forward. Is that going to be the case here? Merseyside Derby, the players were up for it. Can they keep the standards up against Newcastle? And equally, can Newcastle find a way to shake off their bit their stutter and then and the bit of malaise that maybe has crept in recently? Yeah, there's a I think there was a good few asterisks. Asterisks? Yeah. <laughs> next to next to Liverpool's result yesterday. Mainly. It was against Everton, who mm-hmm. are dreadful. Um and even more so, they like they are bad. But last night they were like I know it could have been a different game if that header went in off the post. But outside of that, they were stanky. They were awful. <laughs> um another asterisk. The two midfielders who came in with Batatic, they basically they haven't had obviously four weeks off, but I think Henderson that would have been his fifth game if he didn't play. Now, I'm not saying it's off, but it means he didn't have to run around 11k or probably more like 5k because I know where we've been running around. But less time in the legs. Fabinho has been similar. I think his last start was the cup. No, maybe the cup. Uh, maybe the first game against Wolves out of 700 games against Wolves. Um, so refreshed in midfield. Now that they have less time off because it's it's um, Monday to Saturday, um, then you've got a bit. You've had a big game against Everton in your legs. Then it's against Newcastle, who are very much a step up from Everton, as I say. It, and it's not like Liverpool. Liverpool worked so much better, but they weren't great yesterday. Like I know it, it's it's a sense of relief and stuff like that, but if that was any other team, I don't think. That Liverpool performance like completely overruns a team like we did, so it's scary. It it it's a weird one. Like I am so relieved and I'm so happy that we played somewhat well, but I'm still. It, it's not like it's not <laughs> Liverpool are back. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's it, there's still a sense of dread when it comes to watching Liverpool play, which is not not a happy place at the minute. Um, whereas Newcastle on the other side of that coin, yeah, they've, they've kind of, I was almost going to say reverted back to what they are, but they have probably been the third, to me anyway, probably been the third best team in the league, maybe even the second best, because I think Man City for their own standards have been below that. Um, I think the goals have just dried up. I think Bruno's obviously been a big miss, but I think it almost started before Bruno, um, got himself sent off, uh, Obviously, Wilson and Isaac have been injured at different times and the goals have dried up. Almiron stopped being the best player in the world as well, which didn't help. Um, San Maxman's obviously not been the same San Maxman under Eddie Howe than he was under Steve Bruce. I think the importance of him has kind of diminished there. Um, yeah, maybe they just need to find someone who scores goal. Obviously, Almiron scored against... Bournemouth, which might click him back into Ballon d'Or territory <laughs> again. Um, yeah, so if they find someone who can score goals, and obviously Liverpool, Van Dijk will presumably be back in the team, but obviously Matip and Gomez did play well, but Van Dijk, I know he's not had the best season, but he's been a million times better than both of them, so he'll come straight back in. Um, the attack looked like it clicked. Mo Salah probably had his best performance of this year, or certainly... Well, certainly this year, um, and certainly in a long while, um, 
so that's very promising. Darwin looked exciting. Gakpo looked confident, especially after his goal, so that's something to look forward to. But obviously Jota's back, Bobby's back, so there's options there now. Um, the midfield's still still the issue because Fabinho looked better, but like <laughs> it's not very hard. Same with Henderson. Basetic was phenomenal last night, um, especially considering he's 18. Um, going up against three massive lads in Everton's midfield, but he was still our best midfielder. How how often is an eighteen year old going to be able to carry a midfield? It's a it's a worry, um, especially against Jolinton, who's been phenomenal this season. Sean Longstaff's dependable, and I think Willock's a doubt, isn't he? So I'm not sure who else would play in midfield for them. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird one, but. I have logic here to do. I predicted a 1-1 against Everton, and it worked. It worked. (laughs) So I'm going to predict a 1-1 for this. (laughs) Liverpool are going to win, okay? And if we win, we're winning. We're getting top four. (laughs) Incredible. (laughs) So I'm going to 1-1 our way to top four. That's that's probably the big thing here, is if Liverpool manage to win this game, they probably get thrown back into that top four race pretty quickly and considering how poor they've been this season that would be quite something um for me one gripe that i had with um the liverpool game and maybe more so the 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 punditry on sky um after the game was they were just trying so hard to to make it seem like henderson starting this game is the reason liverpool were playing so well when you take a step back as you mentioned they didn't really play that good well And the the thing for me as well is they sort of were basically, in, you know, trying to portray as though, you know, recently Henderson hasn't been playing, whereas now he starts and the team plays well. And I'm saying, how many games has he played this season? And they're sort of like, you know, trying to put it across like, oh, yeah, Henderson's in the team now. The leadership is there. You know, he's the one that's going to set the standards of, of how the team is going to play the season type of thing. And I'm like, he's been playing most of the season. I've not seen that leadership, you know, throughout did, the season, the so-called leadership they were trying to show. Did they um, mention Fabinho coming back in the same breath? I'm guessing not. They said, well, Fabinho has been okay this season and then quickly moved on to that's Henderson still, that's again. That's still wrong, but yeah. <laughs> I, I would understand awful. if yeah. Henderson had been injured the whole season and this was his first yes, game back, yes, and he's yes. sort of saying, all right, guys, the buck stops here. You know, we're drawing a line in the sand. But he's been part of the problem, one of the worst performers for Liverpool this season. And yesterday's game wasn't, you know, phenomenal. I don't think Liverpool played all too well. I think Everton played into their hands somewhat, allowing Liverpool to counterattack a lot. The thing for me in this one is, do Liverpool entertain a more counter-attacking style of football? Because this is the team that Klopp's now built with the players that he signed. Nunes prefers to play in counter-attack where he's got space to run into. Gakpo prepares to, um, prefers to play in counter-attack where he can drop deep, grab the ball and drive forward. Salah can play any style if, if you decide to actually give him the ball. So he's fine. And you've been susceptible to runners from midfield time and time again. So playing this heavy possession-based, high-up-the-field football hasn't worked for Liverpool. Whereas when they play on the counter, they look a lot more dangerous. Will Newcastle allow them to do that? Maybe the fact that Liverpool are the away team, they won't have as much possession and can 
running behind Newcastle. But one thing that makes me pause for concern with this game is Liverpool have a Champions League game the following week and a big one at that. I don't see how Liverpool managed both those games well. Certainly not this version of Liverpool. So I can see I can see Newcastle winning this game. I've gone 2-0 Newcastle. Maybe I'm using the same logic you're using in that last time I predicted Everton were going to beat Liverpool 2-0 and then Liverpool ended up winning. Um, but I'm, I don't think that the Liverpool players will be as focused on this game as they need to, knowing they've got Champions League coming up. And Champions League is their only chance of a trophy this season. So... I've, I, we aren't going to win the Champions League. No, <laughs> no but you no, know but I mean, you know how Klopp thinks. You yeah, know no, no, it's, I know. It's, it's I that last... You know, they're going to fight till the end type thing. Objectively speaking, they have no chance of winning the Champions League. But they're going to go into that game thinking they're going to win the Champions League, which I I think get out the Champions League and focus on getting top four would be Well, that's what I was going to ask. What do you think is more... Well, I'll ask what you think and then what you think Klopp thinks. What's more likely, top four or winning the Champions League? Because if, if, big if, we get past Real Madrid, who uh, I think it's them and Atletico are the only teams who've knocked Liverpool out of the Champions League in Klopp's tenure. Um, if we get past Real Madrid, who are not great at the minute as well, obviously Liverpool are a dumpster fire, whereas Real Madrid are, like, I don't know, a bonfire. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Let's go with that. Um, it does somewhat open up for Liverpool because... We we saw we can turn up against a Man City, um, Bayern Munich. Who knows because the Bundesliga is that bad. Napoli, they they played well against Napoli. Even yeah, we even, even we beat Napoli. Look at us. Arguably the best team in, <laughs> when in it Europe matter. at the moment. It's true. I mean, there's, if we get past Real Madrid, who's our voodoo team? Um, it does open it up. Whereas you look at the top four. I mean, one, two, three, four. Five. There's five teams we have to overcome. Another six if you throw in Man United, who I think could wobble. I think Arsenal and Man City are locked in, basically. I think the others can all drop drop in and out and, and, and whatnot. And obviously maybe seven if you count Chelsea as well, because um, they they could eventually click and go on a run, I suppose. Probably less likely nowadays. But I say there's no chance of us winning the Champions League. But if if we get past Real Madrid, it very much opens up the Champions League possibility a lot more. Whereas the top four, I don't think we'll, I don't think we'll win either. I don't think we're in the top four. I don't think we'll win the Champions League because we've left. Well, we have been awful. Um, but if we put everything into Real Madrid and get past Real Madrid, obviously there's like a three week break between legs for whatever stupid reason. Um, it's a big question mark. But if we beat Newcastle. Oh God, it, well, we just got to win games regardless, but I think that, I don't think we'll win the Champions League, but I think winning the Champions League is more likely than getting top four the way we've been playing, so maybe you are right, maybe they just rotate, and then the lads who played somewhat well against Everton have that extended break that seems so important against Everton again. So maybe we can rotate and bring Cater back into midfield. Curtis Jones might exist by then. So it will be rotated. 
But then what do you do with the attacking lineup? Do we play more who can play every game as we know Jotter and Bobby against Newcastle? Then we just let the counter-attacking fun lads against Real Madrid? It's a it's a strange debate, but yeah. Yeah. I think I think for me, um they've not shown that they could because I'm assuming to get fourth, you probably need about seventy points this season. Mm. Which would mean Liverpool need roughly around two point two seven, maybe. My math is right. Um points per game for the remainder of the season, whereas they're currently on about one point four. 1.5. Yeah, we're not doing that. Let's so, go for the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> them turning that around like that, um, obviously the 70 points is me factoring in, you know, all the teams that are above them. I just don't see that happening for Liverpool. The consistency isn't there. Whereas in the Champions League, I guess you can get yourself up for a game, which Liverpool have shown this season with, you know, the amount of the, the, the different fixtures we've mentioned before. I think Liverpool's best chance of making the Champions League next season is by winning the Champions League this season. And in saying that, I don't give them much chance of them winning the Champions League this season. At at best, I can see them making it far and then just not having the quality. But maybe they would argue by the time they get to the later rounds, maybe Van Dijk's now back on four. Maybe, you know, Luis Diaz adopts a new leg and is is in the team maybe darwin is now firing it, it's it the hope the hope is what kills you i guess it's it certainly there's a hope there there's a pathway that you can map for liverpool in the champions league in the premier league yeah. i just think there's too many teams in front it's of not, them it's not the strongest champions league as well yeah because one of psg and Bayern are going out uh one of liverpool real madrid's going out Chelsea Dortmund shouldn't really have much to well regular Liverpool won't have much to worry about. Milan Tottenham should be both of them. Inter Porto well, if we if we draw Porto, we know what happens there <laughs> every year. Um so yeah, if it's just if we get past Real Madrid. But anyway, I have I have hijacked this podcast and I apologize because we always do this. Um uh, but yes, I, one 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 for me in this game. No worries, no worries at all. Yeah. Um Let's move on to Man United versus Leicester. Now, Man United are just riding this Rashford wave that just continues to keep going. Um, you mentioned, you know, top strikers in the league at the moment. Rashford would probably argue he's in that conversation based on form alone. That's true. That's true. Um, coming up against the Leicester side who rolled that, rolled back the years a little bit, pulled off that surprise win over Tottenham. Could this be a good game, low-key, exciting game against two teams bouncing into this fixture? Uh, Man United do not employ Eric Dyer, so no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think it could be fun, obviously. Um, Europa United, League as well. Yes, yeah. that's what I was going to mention. United, uh, unless you're in Europe. Maybe in the conference? I'll check it, I'll check. Yes. Um, I can't remember, do you remember? Um yeah, I think this could be fun because I think United, obviously they'll play, I suppose, I imagine they'll play Varane and um, Martinez against Barcelona, who they rested in the Leeds game. So maybe we'll see Maguire again, which leads to funny. Um, yeah, it's a strange one because we haven't really considered rotation a lot. Um, this certainly recently after the World Cup. Um, whereas Leicester, Leicester are not. 
thought they were. It just feels like it's weird that they're not in Europe anymore. Um, whereas Leicester have certainly found the form. I think the Villa game, which they won, I think that was more down to Villa. Um, because they seem to have a lot more chances in the defensive was inexplicably bad, inexplicably bad. Um, you could probably say the same against Tottenham, but at the same time, Leicester take advantage of that. I mean, there's teams in this league who do not take advantage of bad defenders and bad defending. Whereas Leicester, if Indianacho keeps playing like that, excellent. If Harvey Barnes playing like that, excellent. James Madison's definitely the key for them. Um, I don't think it's a surprise when he came back. They've got two wins now. Um, he is just a really, really good player. Uh, and maybe it's just the injuries and well, slight rumours about attitude um, holding him back from that next jump in terms of transfer. But he is just a really good player. And I think many clubs will line up and consider him in the summer as well. Um, but he's really good. Is Cap- that's probably the biggest question. Is Casemiro still suspended? Uh, Man United. Casemiro is still out. Eriksen's out. McTominay's out. And many others are out. Um, so if, if Fred and Sabitzer midfield work quite well against Leeds at times. I think Fred got man of the match, if I remember correctly. But there's inconsistencies there, and obviously Sabitzer's new to the league. Um, both of them will probably have to play against Barca as well, so unless one of them comes back, they might be a tired midfield against a really informed James Madison picking up pockets behind them. I'm kind of talking myself into another Leicester win. Oh. I think the thing that'll be certain in this game is goals, so I will obviously predict a nil-nil now because <laughs> I've talked it into being a nil-nil. I'm going to go... With the added rotation and lack of squad options for Man United, screw it. 3-2 Leicester. 3-2 to Leicester. Wow, that would be quite an exciting game. And you mentioned the Europa League. It's not, unfortunately for Man United, like the Champions League where you have more than a week's break between the two fixtures. They're playing this week Thursday, then they play Leicester, then they play next week Thursday. So if that game against Barcelona this week Thursday is close, I think it's it, it spells trouble for them against Leicester because they're going to need to have one eye on that Barcelona game in the week ahead. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is a potential banana skin for... Then it's a, it must be a cup final the week after because they don't have a Premier League game. Um, yeah, they've got the uh, yes, Carling the, Cup, the yes. Carabao Cup. Whatever it's called. Who cares? <laughs> that one. The trophy, that's not a trophy unless your team wins it. Exactly. So that is a, that's a big week for Man United. And maybe the Leicester game is the least important. Yeah. Interesting. So, unless they just want to bin off the Europa League, which is a very possible. <laughs> yeah. You've gone 3-2, but for in favour of? Leicester. Of Leicester. Yeah. Look, I've... I, I, I've gone 2-1 in, in, in favour of Leicester. I, I agree with you. Actually, I'm going to go 2-3 with you. Let's, let's, let's be Beautiful. simpatico there. Um, Definitely 0-0. For, for all <laughs> the reasons we've mentioned. But we end off the Premier League weekend with Tottenham versus West Ham. Uh, London derby. I was at this fixture last season. Um, had a coin thrown at my head. Um, that's another story for another day. I was sat... <laughs> <laughs> I was sat with the Tottenham fans, obviously with the missus being a huge Tottenham fan. Um, but we were sat 
right next to the West Ham away fans. Um, they were having a bit of fun there. How do you see this game going, Guy? We mentioned we don't know what version of Tottenham pitches up, but by Tottenham logic, I'm going to say Tottenham win this game because we're expecting them to be caused some problems by West Ham, considering how Tottenham played last game. Um, they will have Christian Romero back, which will be massive for them uh, because it means one less of Dyer or Tanganga or Sanchez in, in that back line. Um, always from, it, it, it always helps. But the one thing that did sort of bring me to a screeching halt was the news, unfortunately, that Benton Cole has suffered an ACL injury and is out for the season. He's the one that links them up. Um, I think in, in midfield, he's, you know, especially when Kulisevsky is quiet, as he was in the Leicester game, Benton Core becomes even more important for them. I've not seen a player for Tottenham in midfield have the performances of Benton Core. We know Hoiberg, he's the, the standard six out of 10 every week. Nothing special, nothing bad. Pops up with a goal every now and then, which increases his rating. But, Who's going to be that spark in midfield for them? Is is Papasar going to come in? He, he he's been decent the games that he's played, but then all of a sudden he's not featured in any games recently. For all those reasons of why Tottenham should struggle in this game, I'm going to predict a two 0 Tottenham win because that's what Tottenham do. They make no sense to me. Well, today you was up there a good performance in the Champions League tonight. <laughs> oh my goodness, there's yeah. that to factor in as well. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think the midfield answers will probably be in there. I think Basuma probably would have come in, but he's out for a few weeks as well, isn't he? Yeah. Um, Oliver Skip, where's he been? Bring him Skip. Back. I know it's a weird one. I think he, he seemed to be quite highly thought of, didn't he? And then just, I think he has been injured, but maybe he gets a run. But again, another defensive midfielder. I'm not, I'm not sure what Sar is, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's not great. I think I think part of the thinking is they've obviously brought Poro in, who obviously didn't have a good debut, but off the back of Emerson Royale being the best right back in the world against Man City for a little bit, adding Poro in maybe adds another link or another connection to the attack in terms of the team, rather than adding... They had numbers in midfield, but maybe it was easier getting someone to connect from right wing back than it was to get an expensive midfielder, I suppose, because two birds, one stone and all that jazz. So maybe playing Porro against AC Milan might be a bit more suitable than getting used to the physicality of um, the Premier League and then that'll further prepare him for West Ham. So maybe Porro can add that link rather than a midfielder. So maybe you just build, make the team more solid with a skip or a sar. Um, because the defence, it's kind of hopeless without Romero, as you say. Obviously, he's back, but it's left side and middle's not great regardless. Um, so, yeah, maybe just shoot up the midfield, let Porro off the, ch- off the uh, leash a bit more. Um, then you've got basically four attackers, and then the left wing back can kind of get involved at varying different times. <clears throat> West Ham have obviously improved a bit, not greatly. They've just lost less games to uh, winning, beating Everton. Frank Lampard's Everton doesn't really count. And then two draws in a row against Chelsea and, and Newcastle, which are good results, to be fair. But Tottenham are in, unpredictable. <laughs> we have no idea. Uh, 
Mm. Know what? Conte's due an implosion, isn't he? Because he needs one every other week. <laughs> um, let's go 2-1 West Ham. Oh, that would certainly be spicy. It's yeah. at home for Tottenham as well, so they won't be too pleased with that one. But, Guy, I do really appreciate you coming in last minute. Um that is, though, going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. Do you have anything you want to plug, put over, or promote before we wrap up? Um, Do check out stuff over on Anfield Index. I think I'm hosting, or I volunteered to host, the post-Newcastle game, uh, because our usual host, Trev, is on holiday, because uh, skiving. Um, so, yeah, unless Newcastle batter us, I may have jumped out the window or whatnot. <laughs> but that'll probably be the next podcast I'm on. I will be doing your job on the Friday as well uh, with predictions for Dave. Um, so I'll be on that on Fridays two-footed. But next podcast I'm actually properly hosting will be uh, post-match Raw on the Saturday evening. So, yeah, that'll be next from me. But check out Anfield Index as well if you're a Liverpool fan. Or even if you're not and you just, like, listening to sadness for most of the season so far <laughs> the schadenfreude if you are a fan yes. of schadenfreude and you want to hear the liverpool fans frustrated and and and, and disappointed with the season definitely go go listen to the shows on anfield index uh, from my end go and check out all of the content on the epl index website their match previews post-match reviews player performances and all of the news that you guys could wish for of course, as mentioned by Guy, there is the daily podcast show. It's the Two-Footer Podcast with Dave Hendrick. Uh, finally, also go check out the flagship show that runs weekly. It's the EPL Roundtable, where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. Uh, they do reviewings and previewings of the happenings around the EPL. Uh, go and follow this show on the Twitter page at a tad predictable. Go and follow at EPL Index on Twitter. Subscribe to EPL Index on your podcast channel providers. Guys, give us five stars. Write positive comments if you feel so inclined. That stuff really goes a long way. I've been Tadio Chinakira. You can find me on the Twitter handle at TadPredict. Huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA and Jody McKenna. She's at Spursy141 for our guest intros. Our producer behind the glass and he was... In front of the mic today, Mr. Guy Drinkle. He's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. And if you could just increase the volume of that beat in my head as we sign off. Thank you very much. And remember, Chisinga Perry, Chinoshura. Podcast Network.